This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth, and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hi everyone, welcome to our first podcast ever. This is all new to us, so please bear with us in case we have any technical glitches. Uh, we both got headsets now, which we've found very beneficial. And we look like Britney Spears, which is a bonus. <laughs> Trying to think of a Britney Spears song to sing, but I can't. Um, well, there's the obvious one. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> we, <laughs> I we I I'm not in. sure that will make the cut. <laughs> anyway, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Our podcast about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We think it is high time to start talking about all these things to reduce the isolation and the feelings of shame that so many women experience. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind since we got together and set up the worst girl gang ever. It's only been a few weeks since we decided to create this podcast. We've not known each other for much longer than that. It all started when I saw your post on Facebook. um, Yes. Telling the world about your story of what had happened to you during lockdown yeah so um, maybe that's where we should so yeah during lockdown I I found out I was pregnant uh and I'd fallen pregnant just two days before lockdown started that whole so the first 12 weeks of our pregnancy was during lockdown and our 12-week scan I had to go on my own because of the um obviously COVID in the in the hospital and when I went in I've got three kids already so I knew the the procedure and when I went in and lay down the lady started uh, scanning me and from the picture and from her face I knew pretty instantly that things weren't okay um, but even still the words will be I, I don't know if they'll ever go but the the words of um, have you had any pain or bleeding Rebecca were just you know it's like so many of you have contacted me to say that it's just absolutely agonizing words to hear and you know that that all that hoping and dreaming and all the stories that you've started weaving into your lives is come to an end it must have been really awful to go through that on your own as well without Rob there it was it was a very very strange experience and for me it really highlighted what your body and your sort of autopilot is capable of because one minute I was lying there and then I heard the words and they confirmed, I'm afraid you, you know, I'm sorry to say that you're, there's no heartbeat. And then the next minute I sort of wiped off the, the gel and stood up and left the room and, you know, my whole body just went into autopilot and then I was sat in a room and then I kind of got on, you know, and, and at the same time it's that the emotion was just, I remember lying there and then suddenly after they told me I could hear this noise and I didn't know what it was. And I, it was me, it was coming from me, you know, it's this, sort of animal noise and it and and since then since like feeling this sort of strange experience reading the stories of others it's a really common thing to be making this kind of instinctive mum I guess noise without realizing it 
but yeah. yeah it was it was awful it was awful and and not having anyone there you know the ladies were all wearing the the ladies that were there doing the they had to get someone to come and confirm it they were wearing the screens and the masks and everything and they couldn't touch me in gloves and and I never realized how important human contact is until that moment and obviously not having Rob my husband with me I felt so alone so physically isolating experience so much more isolating yeah it was so so isolating so and I'm pretty good I'm pretty independent person and I'm kind of like no it's fine I can I'll I'll be all right don't worry about it I'll I'll crack on and that it really took me out really took me out just the the loneliness of it so who did you reach out to for support so after it happened after it was all confirmed and everything and I decided to take the medical management way out which for anyone listening doesn't know what that is it's um, a drug that you take that sort of brings on a miscarriage um, because obviously mine was a missed miscarriage so my body hadn't recognized the fact that the baby was no longer alive yeah but the drugs unfortunately didn't work so I ended up being in hospital for about five days um, and during that time Rob was allowed to come in and drop things off and stay for sort of a few hours at a time but obviously there was no I couldn't see anyone else I two of my friends I knew had had miscarriages and I just text them and I told them told them what had happened I told them you know I had to go through that I'm pregnant but I'm not anymore and told them and actually speaking with them was the closest I came to getting comfort. And I remember really, I really remember the bereavement midwife coming to see me and she was very sweet. You know, she was, she was really good at her job. Couldn't fault her for what she was saying. She was saying all the right things, doing all the right things, but she was very young, sort of early twenties and she didn't have kids and she'd never experienced miscarriage. And I was just willing for her to go and leave me so I could get back to these conversations these chats with um, my friends who had been through it you know there was nothing there's nothing anyone can offer you unless they've been through it in my opinion that was that's what I felt at that time yeah that's justified yeah so after that I ended up after five days of sort of waiting for this miscarriage I ended up having an emergency surgery because whilst they actually removed the baby from my body during a routine examination which I didn't know was happening at the time there was still too much product of conception which is what they call it in the hospital mm-hmm. um, left so I had to have an emergency surgical procedure to have the rest removed and I just had this overwhelming feeling when I got home of I just didn't want anyone else to feel so lonely and so embarrassed almost, you know, and so ashamed and this, this whole ethos of, of it being your fault, you know, oh, miscarriage, or you couldn't carry the baby properly. It was, it's your fault. And I hate that whole thing surrounding that. I hated. So yeah. I wrote about it and I, I posted it on a Facebook, public Facebook forum. And the support was insane, like 2,700 personal messages saying, I've had the same. I've never felt able to talk about it. It's amazing the response that you got, because it just shows that there is a gap there that needs to be filled. People need to be brought together and to be able to talk about their experiences. Absolutely. And I mean, the post itself received over, I think, 20,000 reactions all in all. And it really did illustrate to me just how important it is, as you say, Laura, it's and then I wrote an article for the Metro um, and that was published. And again, people kept coming forward. Even now, I set up a support group on Facebook called One in Four Pregnancy, Miscarriage and Pregnancy Loss Support. And every day people are still joining. 
every day people are sharing their stories every day people are saying how helpful it is just to share their stories just to talk about it and how how helpful it is to their mental health which I think is the main thing here and that's where I found you on that group um you did a did a Facebook live one evening sat in your garden and I watched it and I just thought crikey she's got some balls she's speaking (laughs) out yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> you were you were really passionate and you spoke with like a, a real positive tone it, you sounded like you wanted to make a difference and and do do good things for this community and I just thought I've been banging on about this for years trying to get people to to do this and mm. I saw you and I thought yeah she's a go-getter well um I could head into battle with her we can we can do some good we can make make a difference yeah absolutely and that's how I felt when you first contacted me and I think our initial chat was actually over an hour wasn't it and it's quite exciting yeah crack it was we were complete strangers and yeah yeah, we spoke for over an hour so Laura can you tell us a bit about your story yeah so like I said I've been trying to sort of speak out about it and open the dialogue for some years now our journey started way back it seems like such a long time ago back in 2012 it took us a little while to fall pregnant and when we did we had two miscarriages back to back And then later on that year, I had a missed miscarriage and I had an operation, the same as similar, I imagine, to the one that you had Mm. um, to remove the products, as they're called. That was sent off for testing and the testing came back that it was a molar pregnancy. Following that, I had six months of not being allowed to try because you have to be tested fortnightly to check that your levels come down Um, and just sorry Laura to interrupt but just for those who don't know because I didn't know um before any of this happened I didn't know what a molar pregnancy is so can you just explain it yes there are two types of molar pregnancies there's a partial molar and a complete molar basically it looks a partial molar can grow and develop a heartbeat but it's not a viable pregnancy. So with that one, we, we did see a heartbeat for the first time. It's very unlikely for them to make it to 12, 14 weeks. Mm. What happens is this disease, if you like, takes over. So it looks like the placenta looked like a sack of grapes. So what should have been bringing nutrients to the baby wasn't. It's just like a load of fluid-filled sacks, which is why the baby then doesn't develop and the pregnancy ends and it's caused by I believe two sperm fertilizing one egg so yeah like I say it's it's never going to be a viable pregnancy despite that trick of them having a heartbeat earlier on Um, it seems so cruel doesn't it it really is cruel and the complete molar pregnancy is it's there's no baby developing there the whole thing is this a fluid fluid filled sacks it really does look like a a bunch of grapes on the Mm. um on the scan that's more dangerous because it can develop if all of the tissue doesn't come away it can develop into cancer it's uh yeah women require chemotherapy a long time of not trying for the baby so gosh my six months of not trying was was hard but Mm. i was spared all of that so I'm quite grateful for it. Mm. As if it's not bad enough to have a miscarriage, but then you find out you might be facing cancer as well. It's just horrendous. You call them every two weeks to get the results of your blood tests. You send off blood and urine tests in the post. Like literally you post the samples in the post box. And every two weeks you phone them up to get your results and you speak to these lovely women at Charing Cross Hospital. And if your HCG levels don't come down fast enough or they've risen, you know that they're, 
they're going to be start thinking about about chemotherapy it's it's scary and you sort of live, live stuff, your life mm. two weeks to the next but thankfully we were we were spared that and six months later we were about we were allowed to um start trying again mm. but then in that year we didn't fall pregnant again but in, we planned our wedding <laughs> shortly after our wedding in 2016 we had another two miscarriages back to back and when you say back to back what within sort of three or four months yeah no well no period in between so oh really one pregnancy and then people say you're incredibly fertile after a miscarriage so we sort of took that opportunity so that happened twice the first time was between numbers one and two there was no period and then between four and five but I had normal testing after the third miscarriage but it didn't reveal anything nothing significant anyway nothing that would give us a reason so after the fifth one I sort of kicked up a bit of a stink and I said look there's obviously something wrong I know your tests have come back all fine but can we do some more can we try something else and the year following that I saw another two specialists and had my septum removed in my uterus I thought your septum was a bit between your lip and your nose yeah that's a septum but there's also (laughs) can be a septum in the I tell you what you would not want to get those two muddled up would you no no it's like a heart-shaped womb on a on an ultrasound scan it looks like it looks like a like a heart shape um some people can have a full septum so it's completely split in two and you can still carry pregnancies oh i see so it's the top the top bit of your of your the heart shape if you see what i mean the top yeah where it goes down yeah it comes down in the middle but it doesn't have to be a full septum you can have smaller ones but that tissue that comes down the middle if the egg implants there then it's not going to take so people can carry to full term if the placenta then develops on the other side um, and how did they discover that you had a heart-shaped womb well after the third miscarriage they did a scan and they said oh we think you've we've, you've got a heart-shaped womb we need to operate and then they did a like a last minute scan before the operation and then went back on their word and said actually we don't think you've got one so then 18 months down the line and two miscarriages later it turned out I did have one but that was oh. at a different hospital so yeah it was just on a scan as part of routine recurrent miscarriage clinic testing so yeah I had that done but obviously I couldn't try all the time we were waiting for that operation so then after that was done I then was given the all clear to start trying again okay but had another loss and I knew I, I knew deep down that there was something else going on and yeah. I'd asked previous specialists for, for further tests I knew what I wanted testing and I knew what I thought it was I did a lot of research okay and yeah I, you can't have the tests done on the NHS so you have to pay for them but they assured us that once we had the septum done that there's a good chance that it would be successful. So after that, when it wasn't, that's when I said, right, I'm going to go and find someone who's, who can do these tests. So I got a lot, of, a lot of help from women on Facebook who had seen this chat and people who'd been through the same things and had successful pregnancies wow. afterwards. So you, it turned out you could see him on the NHS. So I got a referral. My poor doctor has had me sort of on the phone over the years mm. demanding referrals to certain people, but he did it for me. And then I had to wait six months to see him. So in that six months, I went down like a dark, deep, dark hole and right. just thought that it was never going to happen. There was this tiny bit of hope that this specialist would be able to sort me out in the April but yeah that sort of autumn winter was a bit hellish and when you say that you went down a deep dark hole 
did you were you trying in that six months or do you did you just think to yourself do you know what I don't want to risk having another miscarriage before I've seen this guy I'm not going to do it or we were still trying I don't think you're ever not trying not try. when it's something you so desperately want the only two mm. times we stopped trying were when after the molar pregnancy and when we were waiting for the operation on the okay. septum and when you were d- the deep dark hole that you went down how did you feel about because this is a thing that comes up really really often is how did you feel that you know when friends relatives people like that announced pregnancies and posted photos and I didn't cope with it very well at all that started sort of after the first two did it the the ugly feelings as I call them the jealousy the resentment the bitterness yeah that started back then and then just got worse and worse and worse over the years like things like we would go to people's weddings and I'd be sat there watching our friends get married and think well they're gonna have a baby before me that just yeah it's just crazy I was so sort of paranoid and quite often that it did happen that was the case of course Mm. that's what people do but it would make me sort of I just withdrew from everyone there was yeah from everyone even from Scoop really that's my husband yeah it was a real dark place to be I couldn't see the light for the trees did you did you lose friends through that I don't think so I think maybe my relationships with certain friends are more strained yeah my friends were all very supportive and tolerant of my Mm weird ways but you can't help but feel more distant I used to to start with I would put my game face on and go to things and I would do and say what I was meant to do and say just to sort of make people think that I was okay but after a while I just thought I'm not okay and and I just didn't face people so I just withdrew I didn't go out I cancelled plans I would make plans but I would always cancel them Sure. Um, and but you I, I know that you found a huge support in the online community. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't have my little boy now if it wasn't for this online community. They this is loads, loads of random people who I've never met and I don't know. You can just go on and post your concerns and you're flooded with suggestions and support and love. And it's I'm so grateful for it because you just don't get that from friends and family are so well meaning and I love them all dearly, but they don't get mm. it. They've not been through it. It's just and such these, a lonely place to be. This the online community that you're talking about, I mean they they know that presumably with your trying to conceive, they know that desperation. Because I imagine it is a desperation, isn't it? Yeah. And it that is. I will try anything. I will do anything that sort of passion and drive behind the need to have a baby. And so when you type your concerns and your questions, you have an absolute force, a a tribe of women behind you wanting, so willing to, to, to cheer you on and to help you and to, and that I think even I, I haven't had the same problems as you trying to conceive, but even behind when I'm having a bad day now and I'm thinking about what happened, all I have to do is go online and post something. And before I know it, there's 50 comments, women. Yeah. So, and I just think this, this girl gang that we have, it's shit. You know, it is the shittiest, shitty book, shit, shit thing in the world. (laughs) 
but my gosh there is some bravery and there is some support there isn't there yeah the camaraderie is um is fantastic we're all in it together and if if people can offer advice that that then leads to that person getting what they've always dreamed of that's fantastic i mean Mm. the health professional should be able to give us this advice and suggest tests and specialists and things like that but there's just something missing there so we have to rely on each other i think the thing that's missing for me the thing that's missing as in in my opinion what's missing is the the emotional aspect yeah um, sure. and I understand that the clinical aspect of doctors and stuff but you know the, the we touched on it earlier the emotional aspect in in the hospital when you've had a miscarriage I found absolute like shocking and appalling and as I said uh, the baby our baby was removed from my body during an, an examination and put in a pot and referred to as product of conception this is your product and um, my husband and I looked at each other and we didn't know what that meant we didn't know yeah. if that was the baby we didn't know if it was you know the the tissue or, or we've never had this experience we didn't know what they meant by that and I just think it's you know the term miscarriage is such an umbrella term it's a convenient term that pushes this ugly horrid thing sort of away and oh it's a miscarriage oh shh, it was a miscarriage yeah hush, it hush. pushed it away hush hush, hush. Under the carpet. it's a bit of shame oh oh yeah no it's um she's a bit embarrassed doesn't really happen to people doesn't really happen don't worry don't worry about it uh, it and does it, yeah it does. hello big time 25 percent of pregnancies end in miscarriage and yeah. why can't we talk about it because along with this crap term miscarriage which in itself implies it's your fault because you've carried yeah. it wrong in that term is this flipping staggering number of emotions you've got you know shame massive massive shame you've got isolation you've got loneliness you've got guilt you've got anger you've got jealousy yeah. all these ugly horrible as you say the ugly feelings that are within this topic and we're ignoring them because it's more convenient for us to do that to talk about it it's awkward to talk about it so we're burying them and what happens what happens when you bury shit ptsd ongoing mental trauma for you and this this is what we need to end we need to end because we're amazing women and we can end this but this is no shame in it we need to speak out about it yeah we absolutely do because it's not a woman's problem it's a problem and and just by ignoring it it's not making it go away is this is not going anywhere so if it's not going anywhere why are we not learning to deal with it properly why are we not opening up this conversation and and why are we not teaching educating our children yeah that's it i mean we've spoken about this before about sex education in school and how crap it is and how it's just basically putting a condom on a on a cucumber or a banana banana. (laughs) or a banana depending on where you grew up (laughs) don't know what that says about the men in our area but there we go (laughs) yeah all they teach you is about what to how not to get pregnant and that's it really Mm. nothing about miscarriage nothing about baby loss nothing about about anything useful really just how not to get pregnant and no one ever tells you that it could be tough that it might take years that it would be hard why don't we talk about IVF at school oh I could go off around yeah oh we we've ranted so we spent so many hours ranting if only we recorded them Laura we'd have (laughs) six years worth of podcasts but also my big thing is that you are taught society teaches us and has kind of backed up the the fact that when you see a positive pregnancy test that's it you're a mum you're having a baby yeah it's just not the case you can tell six days before your missed period 
if you're pregnant but those early six days you know they could that could even be a chemical pregnancy yeah. and by the time your period is due you could get your period so you would never even know that's it and they talk about how miscarriage rates have have risen or they're not really sure I mean I, I did some research and yeah my mum when I had all these all these miscarriages I asked people in my family I asked my mum have you ever had any and none no one in my family has that they know of yeah but like my mum didn't know that she was pregnant until she was seven weeks pregnant yeah. because you had to wait for your missed period you had to go to the pharmacy buy a pot take it home pee in it take it back wait two weeks for the results so there could have been a lot more miscarriages back in the day that people just weren't aware of and a late period could have been a miscarriage, you know, at yeah. periods five, four, five days late, untested. But what makes it different is that if you are trying for a baby and you want that baby and you test early, you know it's there. The second you see those lines on that test. Yeah, yeah. the second you, you see those whole lines. Life. Yeah, exactly. You've started planning, haven't you? You're thinking yeah. about names. You're thinking about boys or girls. You're thinking about how to create a beautiful space in your spare room. It's just, it's torture. It's yeah. torture. And it's not, I, I really think that it's a, if we could educate our girls properly as they grow up in things like PSHE, then yeah. although it's still going to be there and it's still going to be horrendous and painful, like knowledge is power, right? It's yeah. you know, you, you, preparation is everything. That's it. We need to educate them and empower them to speak out and to, to demand answers and mm. talk about their experiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have three kids and, and I've got two girls and I firmly believe that there is nothing about a woman's body or her experience that should have to be kept secret or yeah. be ashamed of or be brushed under the carpet and that's what I have that having a miscarriage myself you know I've, I've now heard so many stories which are in inverted commas so much worse than mine uh, so much more pain such a longer time of so many more miscarriages but for me this whole thing is about being able to express yourself and I, there are feelings behind miscarriage that I did not know existed because yeah. it is not talked about I had no idea I thought miscarriage was just a thing you know I knew it was there obviously but I had no idea until I reached out and spoke to my friends that these feelings were so intense so there was I posted recently on our Instagram page a quote from a lady who contacted me called Angela and she said I didn't know it was possible to grieve so intensely for something I never even saw yeah. and that really for me was nail on head I just you know it's this it is this grief it's this intense aching it's a different kind of grief. grief as well isn't it when somebody mm. dies that you know you've got memories with that mm. person you've got experiences you love them they loved you back with mm. this little being that never made it it's it's like people make you feel like it's not a valid grief yeah yeah absolutely um and and that's all part of the problem it needs to be acknowledged mm. and i think grieving a past is so so different from grieving a future and yeah. As you say, Laura, grieving a past is, I mean, both, don't get me wrong, grief is grief is grief. But grieving a future, there's so many what ifs and so much to torture yourself with, yeah. you know, first Just birthdays. Because they didn't never make came. it here doesn't mean that, that it doesn't hurt. Exactly. And to take, to brush this whole subject under the carpet is to invalidate our feelings as mums sure. and as, as people who have lost a baby, not a product of conception, not pregnancy tissue not these horrible terms 
these horrible clinical terms, which I feel invalidate you and invalidate your experience. Because at the end of the day, when you lose a baby, you lose a baby and it doesn't matter, you know, how far along in your pregnancy you were because you've yeah. already invented that future. Yeah. It's losing a future. So we want to create a platform, don't we, Beck? We do, yeah. A relaxed platform for people to talk openly, share their experiences. And yeah, we've got speak, lots planned. We have got lots planned, Laura. And to, to speak, just to add to that, just to speak conversationally about miscarriage rather than, you know, creating this sort of silence and taboo su- surrounding it, just to be open. And because and, yeah. and, as soon as this can come into conversation, we're winning, you know? Absolutely. But yeah, sorry, go on. We have got lots planned, Laura. Go on. Yeah, we've got lots of people that we're going to be speaking to Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to share their experiences and their stories with us. Coming up in our future episodes, we are going to be talking to people who've been through PTSD, miscarriages, Mm -hmm. ectopic pregnancies, molar pregnancies, Mm. stillbirth, historical losses, termination for medical reasons. Yeah, and we're we're speaking to men as well to get the the male perspective on this because obviously that that's another thing about miscarriages tremendously overlooked is the fact that our men struggle with it as well because our men are fathers half of half of all births no they're fathers to 100% of all births sorry (laughs) half of the the parental you know what I mean I think it's time to to wrap it up Laura remember this is a work in progress yes Um, and please or the other thing that we were wanted to say is that if you have any suggestions for subjects that we can cover please do let us know and any feedback at all unless it's uh trolling we don't we don't want any trollers please no please please because we're we're new to this so be kind but we really hope that you come back next week yeah i think that's enough for today yeah i think i please come back lie down yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye.